Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring her out. A star attraction. The one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Miss Judy Gold. So, you graduate. Graduate? Um, I briefly work at an advertising company that I hate, and they hate me. So, I quit, uh, I quit as they're firing me. Not even like, you can't fire me, I quit. It was almost like I was in the process of quitting when they fired me. Did you do, were you writing ad copy? I was a copywriter. Can I ask what advertising agency? It was this small one, uh, at the time, at the time they had just changed their name to Boombox. Um, so oh, I wow. don't know. That's a, yeah. Um, I don't know if they still exist or not. Uh, That's so funny. I can't imagine anyone hating you. Here's the thing. One, I, I definitely made some lazy mistakes. So right. I will take ownership of mistakes. On their side, they would do these things that are very business worldy, which is half the reason I do this career is so I don't have to live that life. Where right. it'd be like, you know, because I, I was still doing stand-up. So they'd, I'd be like, hey, what time do you guys usually leave? And they're like, oh, like, you know, six o'clock. But if you're done with your work early, feel free to take off. And I was like, okay, great, cool. And I didn't even leave early. I would like be there sitting and it'd be six o'clock long done with my work and no one was leaving. And I'd be right. like, okay, well, I'm going to go. And then after about a week of that, cause I had to do open mics and right. spots. Someone was like, Hey, you, you, you keep leaving early. I'm like, Oh, I was told, I'm sorry. I was told I could leave at six or if my work's done. And right. they're like, yeah, but usually we wait until the boss leaves and then we leave. And I was like, Oh, I'm not going to do that. Right. <laughs> okay. No because this dude hates his wife and kids. I'm not going right, to fucking yeah. hang out here. Because you don't feel like fucking going home. Tough. I finished my work. Fucking, yeah. uh, and so That's I, why I, none I, of us can ever work in offices like right. that. And also like this was also, I think I was also a little arrogant because like this was when I was getting my first sense of heat in terms of right. any, like, like one of my stand-up clips, you know, it wasn't on Comedy Central itself, but it was on their website, which right. at that time felt like, and now would be the same thing. But at the right. time I was like, you know what? It's not TV, but they know who I am. Yeah, uh, it's a validation. Okay. Right. So I quit I quit that. And then uh, I go to Showtime because Showtime's starting a video game company and they need writers. And I was like, oh my God, Dream's coming back. I'll do video games again. And two months in the 2008 financial collapse happens. And so they dis Showtime dissolves this branch of their company. I'm without a job. And then after five or six months, I find out SNL's hiring. And because they liked me as an intern, they hire me as a photo researcher. So I get to go back to SNL and I do that for two years. So you, uh, and you also had Zach Braff. Um, oh yeah, Zach Braff played me on SNL. Yes, so he he was you, used your name and played your you on, which is such a fucking, like I don't think people realize what an honor, yeah. like the fact that someone would write a bit. Yeah. For you on S, I mean, it's like, that's why I was always like, you know, Trump used to always be like, you know, upset that, uh, you know, he wanted SNL investigated and this, it's yeah. like, you know what an honor it is for someone to write a bit about you, you fat orange piece of fucking shit. But yeah. Right. It's, yeah. It, it was, it was a really, really cool moment for me. It was also weird. Cause I was, uh, an intern at the time that had to be in the control room. So I was right. like watching the director of the show and all these EPs watching these giant monitors as it happened and like everyone turning back to look at me. Uh, it was really funny, yeah. Oh, I love that. 
Yeah. Okay. So then you start, you do that for two years. You, uh, how, how do you get um, your next writing job? So, okay. So I met SNL for two years and I start to get a lot of jokes on the show. Um, even in the photo. Yeah. Even in the photo department, I get more and more and more and more. Right. To the point where it's like two jokes a show, more, you know, multiple jokes a show sometimes. And at the end of the second season of this, I was, you know, I was, and Seth had like taken me with him to do the ESPN SB awards as a, right. as an actual staff writer. And so at the end of the second season, I was like, Hey guys, I think you should hire me as a full writer because right. clearly you like my writing and I do, I get more on the show than some of the actual writers do. Right. And they weren't dicks about it, but they were kind of like, no, that probably won't happen for a little while. That's not really the way it always works. And that's not how it works. I'm writing more jokes than the writers, but I, yeah. Okay. And, uh, and so I heard about an opening at Nintendo of America for a writer and I was like, fuck it. And so I got a job at Nintendo. And you and started I, writing video games. I started right? writing video games for a couple of years. Yeah. Was that fun? Was it that was, it was dream great. job? It was, uh, it, it's a dream job. If I think if I was no longer doing standup, if like I had quit doing standup and I was like, I, I'm still a writer, I'm just not doing standup. Right. It would have been a job I would have stayed with forever. Right. It's amazing. Amazing company, super nice people, great place to work, great right. hour. It's totally unlike everything else. Is everyone else a total like, ga- you know, video game freak that works there? Not everyone, which is fun though. Like our um, French Canadian translators at the time were these two like, older women who are just moms who like, right. you know, got a job being translators, but like, it, right. but it was like fun. Cause you get to like teach them the game and they'd be like, well, what does this mean? And you're like this. So you are like, it was like a cool back and forth. Stuff, right. Yeah. Okay. Then how do you get back into TV? Um, so uh, after a while I get a little, uh, I'm doing better and better with standup while I'm at Nintendo. I'm doing more of these outside gigs with, you know, writing for bigger people for award shows and whatnot. And I get offered a job that pays significantly more to write jokes for a video game website. In fact, the video game website I've written articles for in the past. Okay. And so they offer me this job. And the other thing about Nintendo, I should say, is that it's an amazing company, but because nobody ever quits, like nobody ever quits, there's not a lot of room to grow. So like there were people there who had been there 10 years longer than me and they made a shitload of money, but they just had my job title and did the same job I did. Right. And you could have fake shot them and killed them. And then you could have gotten. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. we made fun games. We made Mario yeah. party. Um, uh, uh, but uh, so I went to this vi- website. Um, great. It was super fun. And that year is when I got new faces. So 2012, I got that is at Montreal. Everyone, the Montreal, Montreal new faces. Yeah. And from New Faces, I got I got good press out of New Faces, and sort of that combination, Jimmy needing a monologue writer, Seth knowing me, yeah, it all coalesced into me getting hired. How at, did you meet Jimmy? Did you meet him at SNL? No, he, I actually started right after his last year at SNL, so okay. we just missed each other. Yeah. So you're writing for Jimmy. Writing I mean, for you Jimmy. Fucking, like this is like a storybook career. <laughs> um, you I'm scared are, all the time. I should say every day I'm afraid. Never right. not afraid. And it's all going to go away, right? All of yeah. it. All yeah. Of it. Join my fucking Detroit. You know, I got to <laughs> And then Bill Nye saves the world. You write for that. Yep. Yep. Um, I had been at Fallon about three and a half years. And, you know, I 
had did the I'd done the job, I'd done the job well, I I appreciated it, but I was like, okay, I, I need to, a lot of people who I'd started with there had moved on to other jobs, and I was like, all right, I should probably try to advance in my career. And you were writing the monologue, right? I was writing or, monologue, although like it, sketch people would write monologue, monologue people would write sketches, but my focus was monologue. And people don't realize that it is a grind. Like, oh, yeah. it's a grind, you know, yeah. that you get up, you have to think in someone else's voice, you yep. know, it's not like you're writing jokes for yourself, you're writing jokes that will, this other person would be able to deliver. Yeah. Uh, you're never not working. You're never not writing jokes or everything you fucking do is, how does this relate to this show? Right. Uh, yeah. And I think like the image of monologue writers from TV is like three people sit around a table holding newspapers yeah. being like, what if, Yeah. what if Reagan said no? And you're like, no, it's just people pounding at a keyboard, terrified, right. writing line after line after right. line. Right, right. So what, you leave there and what's your next gig? So uh, do Bill Nye Save the World, uh, which is... You know, Bill is an amazing host. He's super fun. But it was, you know, a 13-episode thing, so I knew it was right. a short-term job. I got to be head writer there. It got me out to L.A. How old are you as a head writer of Bill Nye Saves the World? 32. Are you pinching yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I got yeah, to work, yeah. you know, and as a kid, I really liked shows like, like, like you know, Bill right. Nye Science Guy and like Beekman's World. I was huge right. fans of those. Right. Um. So, So this was fun. Yeah, I got to do that. And then... 13 weeks end, job ends. Um, I uh, President Trump gets elected, so that was a good month of not working. Oh, I gotta throw up, hold on, go ahead. <laughs> so then I do Adam Ruins Everything, which was awesome. Uh, I, I knew Adam back from the stand-up days. Right. It was super fun doing that show. I like, I, I, don't, I like, some people are right. weird about doing comedy that teaches, like educational comedy, right. and I get why. But I actually enjoy it, because right. I like well, fun facts. <laughs> So I did that, and then I did another season of Bill Nye, sort of right. like the back end, two seasons. I did seasons two and three at the same time. And then I uh, did The President Show with Anthony Tamanick. Right. Oh, I love him. He was, he was on the podcast, yes. Love him. He is a right. such a good dude. Yeah. Such a smart dude, too. Yeah, really smart. Uh, he knows then, everything. I know. It's annoying. He it is. Jeopardy. He should go on Jeopardy. Okay. He should. Um, okay, so I do that for three months. And I love it. That is the most fun I've ever had on a job. It, it wasn't the most stable job. It was right. on fire when I was there the whole time. Right. But it was the most fun I've ever had on any job I've ever worked on. Because maybe even because it was on fire. Right. And we didn't know if it was getting renewed or not. And Sam B offered me a job. Sam knew me from Twitter. And I interviewed there. And they, oh, and they liked me. So you got a job because of your fucking Twitter it's, you're so good on Twitter. Okay, so yeah. Thank you. Did she um, call you? Or like, what happened? She contacted my, she, con she contacted my agent. She called the people, yeah. Oh my goodness. What a, what an asshole I am. Um, yeah. So she, yeah, she contacted my agent and my, and I was, and I, and I liked the show already. It was this thing where I was like, well, I love the show I'm on and I'm loyal to it because I'm already there. And it was at the point where I called up my producers on President Show and was like, hey, I'm not trying to be shitty about this. I'm not trying to haggle with you. Right. Do we, Do you think we're going to be renewed? Because if so, I want to stay here. And if not, right. I need to let them know right now. Right. And they were like, just go, man. It, it ain't happening. And so I went to Sam B. And Sam B, whereas President Show is the most fun I've had, Sam B is the calmest, 
nicest. Even when Sam B's on fire, it does not even compare to when regular shows are regular. Right. Hey everyone, you know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids, and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality, and they are, when I say ready-to-eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and literally, you heat them for two minutes. Every week, you have over 35 options to choose from. They have Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, I Just Did Chef's Choice, 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factormeals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero. Okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D five zero, Judy Gold 50, to get... 50% off. That's code JudyGold50 at Factormeals.com slash JudyGold50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. I have two questions. Number one, I I have to talk about, before we get into Sam B. Yeah. The cyclical uh, greatness of SNL. I remember when it premiered. That's how old I am. And I have been through every cycle of what you attribute. I mean, there are so many obvious seasons that are like, "Mm, writing's not that good. Mm." And yet it goes on too long like that. Like, what do you attribute that to? Um, One, contracts can sometimes be powerful. Yeah. And I think sometimes... You know, I think sometimes when you're gelling internally, you don't necessarily understand that you're not gelling as well externally because you're like, it seems like everything's great. I feel like it's great. And, you know, live performance is different than watching at home. And sometimes like an amazing sketch for an in-person audience at home, you're like, "Ah, what the fuck? I'm laughing and the audience is sitting there like. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's really whatever the in-studio audience is, right? Yeah. 
And also, I is it me or has the audience gotten really fucking young? Uh, the I mean, the audience. I think the audience has probably gotten young, although. I haven't seen the audience in outside of like camera shots in forever. Right, right, right. Well, COVID. But I'm just saying, like, I, I don't know. Um, I am looking for. I hope, <laughs> gets, I hope it gets better. But it's and Lauren yeah. is. Um, I mean, there's. I I love everyone on the show. Yeah. And yeah. I I think they're they're so fucking talented. But sometimes I'm looking at the writing and I'm like, oh my god, this is like the best premise. And then I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, that's and, the hardest part for me is that you have it's all there and you go in a completely other direction yeah and um, sometimes you know that even comes from like editing on the floor when it's like we need right. a minute and you're like right. i don't know where that minute comes from they're like right. okay then we'll lose the whole thing right you know so, and how how involved is lauren very yeah very very like very amazing. very very since yeah. day one i mean it's since fucking incredible yeah okay so you start working for Samantha B. Now you yeah. are brilliant on Twitter. I have to say, one of my favorite tweets of yours is the Ben Shapiro tweet. Oh my! Uh, that people, people, people I hadn't spoken to in a year texted me like I sold a movie. It, <laughs> and can you tell everyone it's so fucking great because he yeah. was talking about yeah, go ahead. Okay, so this was back during the after the Capitol riot, and there was that photo of the guy who had zip ties. As right. you remember. And he was in a military uniform and they were the type of zip ties that are also used for handcuffs, which is a slightly different kind right. than you use to like tie up cords. Right. This one woman tweeted something along the lines of like, I don't know anyone who has like that many zip ties or like why anyone would have that many zip ties. And Ben Shapiro then tweeted like, I get like something shitty at her where it's like, like the, the liberal media doesn't know that everyone has zip ties. Right. Something like that. And I replied, and I'm going to misquote it, but it was something like, hey, Ben, usually I come at these things with a joke, but I just want to approach this honestly. You know that there's a difference between a zip tie held by a paramilitary force invading the Capitol and a zip tie held by your wife tying you to a chair so you can watch her fuck other men. <laughs> and it and people were like, it exploded in a way, because like in my head, I was like, I was like, I don't know. There's here right. we go. <laughs> it's fucking great. I mean, I love it. Um, as far as writing, you know, you're now the head writer of Samantha B, which is, yeah. you know, you're going to work for the rest of your life. I hope you realize you will always be employed. I know I've been in this business a long time and hopefully one day you'll write for Judy Gold, but hire me, man. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm up for hire. I am a mercenary uh, person. You're fucking great. Anyway, Samantha B had to apologize yeah. For her feckless, you were there during the feckless. I was there. Yeah. Pissed me off. Yeah. That fucking orange fucking piece of fuck and shit and duty and scum can say whatever the fuck he wants. Pocahontas. Yep. Oh, yeah. You know, anything. I'm sure she didn't want to apologize. I'm no. Sure. No. I, no. But there's so much pressure coming at you from every angle on that that, you know. And she's a nice lady. Like yeah. she's not. She's not someone who's like. She has a thick skin because she's gone through so much. But she's right. not someone who's like fuck them, bring it on. She's someone who like right. wants to go to bed at six o'clock. Right. Um. The nicest here's and here's I'll get back to it. But like here's how different Sam is than every other host. She brings leftovers to work. 
Do you get what I'm saying? And you've been in entertainment long enough to know exactly what I mean. Yes. Oh, that's so sweet and loving. She is a human. She is a true human being in an industry full of fucking monsters. Right, right. And, you know, but you get so much pressure on every side and you start hearing, you know, about like, you know, are is TBS going to lose sponsors? Are people going to lose jobs? Like, you know, there's a point when you worry that she's worried that like, you know, a hundred people are about to lose right. their jobs. It's a responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's a point where you kind of, there's no choice. Like as much as like people are like, you backed, I can't believe you backed right. down. It's like, look, when there's more jobs on the line than yours, it's sometimes hard to right. not back down. Right. Uh, what's funny is about that is I distinctly remember that day for two reasons. One, um, the normal warm-up comic wasn't there. So me and another writer did warm-up and it was right. really fun. And everyone was like, you guys were so great. And it felt like a great stand-up set. And I was like, oh my God. And in therapy that day, I talked about how proud I was of that. Right. Because I hadn't done warm-up in forever. So I was a little right. nervous. Right. And I remember in the writer's room, we passed by that joke with nothing. And again, it, that joke was written by a woman. The show's run by right. a woman. It's hosted by a woman. Passed right by it. And we had a five-minute conversation about the next joke, which is, I think it said something like, Ted Cruz looks like a child of incest. Like, right. it was something far meaner. It was a thousand times meaner. And we were like, is this okay? Is this all right? No, we should change it. No, we got, is it, I mean, Ted Cruz. And like, we talked about it. And the joke right before it was the one that got us in trouble. Were you shocked? I was. I... I I was shocked at how big it got. Um, right. I thought that it would be like this, like, how dare you type thing. Like when we made fun of Prager U, we, they sort right. of had like a, we hate you so much, we're going to give you 500,000 views on YouTube. Right, right. It just kept going though. It kept growing and growing. I honestly think that it kept growing partially because Roseanne just had hers. And right. I think that it was almost like this, like, uh-oh, uh-oh, we got one too, you know? Right. Did that make you guys more power? Do you think it made you more like, because that's what I feel like is happening with all of us. Yeah. It's like, you, normally I'd be like, oh, I get on the stage. And I think most comics and writers would be like, oh, well, just fuck it, try it, doesn't yeah. work. It doesn't. But we can't do that anymore. It's yeah. like, now you're like, oh no, I my whole life will be over. I will be a piranha because I tried to make someone laugh and it didn't work yet. Motherfuckers are yeah. sex trafficking kids. It, it's... It, it's a while. I mean, we did, you know, we did, we, we didn't get, it's not like we like moved off the people we normally target, but we definitely were like more careful. Like, is this going to get us death threats today? Right. You know? And that's what they want. That's what they, they want. What they want. And um, then they act like they're the, they're the big, you know, yeah. they're the big free speech people. And we did get through it after like two shows, you know, we sort of got through that like post trauma of like, what can we do? What is this okay? Right. Like a couple shows later, we were fine again because we're, you know, we're comedians, we're comedy writers, right. we're emotionally lazy people. We're not going to change. Yeah. So, but it definitely shook us. It shook us for like a week or two, definitely. Which is, it's terrorism. That is terrorism. I feel yeah. like we're being terrorized. We are. And I think it's harder because it's almost like the people terrorizing you are the ones who are saying you're doing it. Right. So they're like, ah, oh, you're you're keep you're 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 censoring us, and that's why we're gonna send our people after you. Right, right, and right. And it's like, no, what, what, what? You saw what the, the it's the publisher of Dr. Seuss who made this decision. Yell at yeah. them! Don't buy a lot of their books as you just did. Right. Why are you mad at me about it? I'm not the publisher of Dr. Seuss. Yeah, right. You said 
that you think COVID gave writers more leeway to be weird. That because you didn't have an audience that you felt more freedom now this past year. Because you, first of all, Samantha B was one of the first shows to get COVID, right? Yeah. Um, and you get shut down and then you're doing a show without an audience and you were able, you, you felt more freedom, you said. Yeah, I mean, in the panic of it, we were kind of like, okay, how do we adjust our rhythms? Because you, you know, you. Oh my to- god! It's so. Yeah. I talk about that all the time. That it's so musical. Yeah. You like you. You know, every audience laughs differently. So you don't. You that. You know, it's right. Do you do a tag? Do you not do a tag? When do you start the next joke? What? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so without that, we had to refigure out a lot of the rhythms, and a lot of it was, you know, there's more. We have slightly more room for more jokes, more information without the audience, which. I guess is a silver lining, you know, but at the same time, like when we were writing for the show, for the audience, we were like, ah, this one, this one might be too sad or, 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 or for example, the our audience doesn't always like when we criticize a Democrat, if they do something wrong. Right. And so sometimes, you know, you have to navigate those waters a little harder, you know, just to make sure you're not, you're like, no, no, no we're on your side. It's just this right. person did something we should talk right. about. Right, yeah. And we're not perfect, okay? We're not perfect Everybody, either. Yeah. And it's important to acknowledge that. But, right. you know, audiences, especially back in the age of Trump, um, we're very sensitive to that sort of thing. Right. And so, you know, it's easier for us to sometimes make like a joke about, I don't know, a Democrat. I can't think of anything off the top of right. my head. Cuomo, but, go ahead, yeah. Cuomo, like we did a whole yeah. Cuomo piece and I think we, we were able to go a little harder than we might have with a regular audience. You know, but uh, we can do sadder jokes. We can do jokes that like right. make us in the room laugh really hard and go, you know what? Fuck it. We're putting it on TV. It's fine. That is the way the Smothers Brothers were. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like that was the old age of comedy. Like, you know what? I don't fucking care. Yeah. You know? And it's like now they have too much fucking power. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I here's the thing though, is I, yeah. I miss having an audience because people cheer for you. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'll also say that it was Kristen and me. We were hired as head writers three weeks before the pandemic started. So we were learning to do this job as we were also learning to do the show remote. Wow. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. You wrote a book about Silent Hill 2. It's out now. Who... Do you want to read this book? I mean, I was like looking at the book and I was thinking, okay, this is fascinating. And I know nothing about this. Yeah. This video game. Did they ask you to write it? Did you? I became friends with the pub- the head of the publisher. It's this uh, in- independent publisher, Boss Five right. Books. He was like, well, if you ever have any ideas for them, we'd love to have you write one. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. And I pitched a couple of ideas and this is the one that he really liked the most. And so I I got to write a whole book, which is crazy. It's a tiny About book. a video game and these characters yeah. and yeah. Eddie and Angela, your yeah. lover. Um, I would say if you're, 
obviously, if you're a video game fan, there's a lot about the development of it. There's a lot about the divide culturally between the West and the East in terms of what horror is and in terms of uh, the fact that it's a Japanese game about an American town. And if you're a horror fan, if you're a horror fan in general and you just like the genre, there might be something in there for you. Or if you're bored and there's nothing left. Right. Which is what's happening. (laughs) You love to go to the Museum of Natural History. I do. I do. I live like 30 blocks from it. And that is your go-to. I remember I used to bump into Geraldo yeah. uh, at Barnes & Noble all the time. That was his go-to place. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, that's your go-to, I gotta get the fuck, I gotta get away. I gotta get and, away. And you love the dinosaurs. Love the dinosaurs. I love sort of like the quiet spaces where you can just sit on a bench, you know. It's not like loud. It's just right. sort of like background noise. You know, it's almost like it's almost like being on the subway a bit where you can like it's almost right. easier to read because you just feel like you're supposed to be quiet and right. just let people do their thing. Yeah. You're an amateur chef. Very bad at it. Very okay. bad at it, but I'm trying to be. Where's your collection of old video games? Uh, my collection, it's it's up there on the shelf. I could like pull some down, but like uh, how old? How old? Do you have Tetris? I have Tetris. I you definitely have-, have Tetris. Do you ever play them? Yeah, no, I play, I play, I play those games all the time. I play, yeah, I definitely play the old games. How many do you have? A lot. I have a lot, a lot, more than a hundred. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. I love how nerdy you are. Oh, thank you. Um, First of all, I just have to say you are such a delight and you're so funny and good. You're good. You're like, you're a good person. Like I just... I don't know. I just love you. I would totally would have been friends with you in high school. It would have been the two of us. I appreciate that. No, I'm telling you, you would have been my, yeah. After Samantha Bay, which will never be going off the air. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. What do you want to, like, do you want to just continue on this path? Do you want to be creating bigger things? Are you Um, going to get married? Do you want to have kids? Do you... (laughs) I I don't know what I want to do next. Um, you know, ironically or not ironically, coincidentally, I don't know. Uh, you know, I've checked off a ton of goals. So, you know, so um, I think, you know, I, I think I'd love to do like a children's show sometime. I'd love to like sell a cartoon or something. Um, you know, I like, I mean, I like this genre. I like late night. If I stayed in yeah. late night for a while, that's not bad either. I'm, you know, I, I'm good at it. And it's sort of what I did. I my- want to sell a cartoon. So bad yes. because, and I know exactly what I want it to be about. And it, you can get away with so much more. You can yes. be so much edgier because they're not real. Yeah. Cartoons are fucking great. Okay. So I always ask two questions, right? Hit me. I very into mental health, um, anxiety, depression. I don't even know how I made it this yeah. far today. Um, what do you do for your mental health? I'm on antidepressants. I work out and I, meditate but today i did a three minute <laughs> i was just like i can't listen to your fucking voice anymore yeah <laughs> um i am also on antidepressants what are you uh, on i am on Wellbutrin. why do you trend yeah. um and luvox but uh do you like the Wellbutrin? uh i think so i'm always i'm always like do that hall of mirrors in your head thing where you're yeah, like yeah, well, yeah, do, yeah. is it working or do, do i only think it works or do i think right. it works because it's working you know right it seems okay so far. I'm also yeah. on uh, Lamotrigin because I am bipolar too. The, like, well, the yeah, yeah, two. yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I've been, ever since the pandemic started, I've exercised every day. And 
I probably smoke a little more weed than I should, you know, right. at night, but otherwise you gotta just, do what you got to do. It's fucking hard. And it's, you know, I'm, tr- I'm changing. I'm in the middle of changing my meds. Like, cause mm-hmm. I'm really sick of, cause mine make me fucking fat and I'm sick of it. And I'm just went through menopause. It's like annoying. It's like, I want to be skinny and happy. And like, you can't right. do both with these fucking meds. Shit. Right. Yeah. Do you ever get to the point where you're like, well, I'm sure you do. Like, do I want to take, I don't want to take these meds. I want no one in my family was taking this many pills at my age. You know, my, my grandmother, my mother. Right. I, you know, on one hand, I would like to not have to take these pills. Right. Right. And, you know, I did survive before without them. However, so I don't think like I would necessarily, it would be like fatal. However, I wasn't doing great beforehand. So right, I don't right, think right. that going back to that, like, I don't think I've gained the knowledge of how to mind trick my way into being okay without. Right. Because it's chemical. It's a, yeah. It's, yeah. It's so, it's interesting because you have to treat it like you're a diabetic, you know, yeah, and you that's do. it. Yeah. You do. And it's hard because a lot of people, I think, honestly, because fucking, from you know 1980 to 2005, any idea of therapy or psychiatry was treated as like either a bad guy in a movie or the joke right. character. Right, right. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And and I don't fucking if you're my friend, I don't want to hear about how you got off your meds and you feel great. <laughs> go fuck yourself, okay? I don't want ever want to hear that. Just um, go vegan, man. That's it. You just go vegan. Yeah, no, I just everyone's always like that. You know what? If you cut out the gluten. Everything in your life will change. No, it won't change. No, okay? it won't. I'm still me. I will still hate my fucking self. Okay. I, I I was talking to my therapist about this, and then I know I know we're almost out of time. Um, but uh, she was like, if you talk to yourself as a kid, what would you say? Right. And so I like I play, like you know did two sides of one converse, of the conversation where I was like you know I've done this and done this, but you know I've gone through this and that, and. And I was like, yeah. And the kid's like, okay, so you've like written for TV and you've been on TV and you, you know, uh, have made video games and you've worked for all these, you've done all these things. And yeah. And it's like, are we happy? And I'm like, oh no, totally not. You are, you are the same that you are now. Right. Right. It's so true. It's like, it doesn't, you know, your work accomplishments are not going to wipe your ass at the Hebrew home for the agent. Sorry. No, no, no I'm going to be yeah. a bitter, I'm going to be a bitter old man. That's right. You're going to be funnier for it. Now, I call the podcast Kill Me Now because all I say it about 100 times a day. <laughs> so everything fucking aggravates me. Right. What pisses you off more than anything in the entire world? Like that, you know, really makes your fuck, makes you crazy. I know that the actual answer isn't like inequality, but I just want to have right. a good person answer first. So, right. like, you know, war. Um, uh, yeah. In actuality, I don't, I, I don't like when people insist on financial advice. Now, if, if it's brought up once, that's fine. But once there is a no and it's right. insisted upon, it starts to make me, and I don't know why. I think it's because right. my parents had so many money troubles when I was a kid right. Right. and they fought so much, but it's always like, and it's not that I don't, like once in a while someone's like, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. What do you mean by that? But if it's like, you, you gotta, you know what, man, you should do, you should just buy a condo and then like rent it out. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about this. Nor- no, listen to me, man. I don't know. So annoying with the Bitcoin yeah. And, and like my son Ben is really into the Robin Hood bullshit, you know, like investing yeah. shit. And he's like, mommy, mommy, 
I bought 10 shares of Tesla and I, and I'm like, no, Ben, no, no. you don't understand. You're and I'm like, I do understand. I have other shit to do. And you're 19. That's what right. I understand. Right. And I, I don't have time for this shit. It's like, exactly. so I know. And these people that just want to make money and not fucking do anything. Yes. You know? Yes. And, and also like these things like Bitcoin, NFT, right. they use up so much computer power that they make up like I think a six, like like no no point six percent of the pollution on Earth, which is a lot. Point six doesn't sound like a lot, wow. but that's a lot. Is that true? It's all the computer processing. I read that someone in the comments of this, if there's comments, may say that's not true. In which case, I'm incorrect. No, you're I never incorrect, Mike. Thank you, thank you, Mike. I cannot thank you enough. Your parents did a fantastic job. Thank you. Uh, everyone, follow Mike on Twitter. You will not be sorry. Thank You're you. fucking great on Twitter. And a lot of people are not great on Twitter. That's true. Um, That's true. I, I don't know. I, I can't thank you enough. You were such a delight. I'm so happy for your success. Thank you. And um, this was great. This was super fun. Really? I yeah. love you. I love you. Uh, um, you're so fucking smart. Thank you so much for listening to part two of Kill Me Now with Mike Drucker. Kill Me Now, my wonderful podcast, is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling, and would not even exist without the help. All right, it would exist, but it wouldn't, you know, it'd be a lot harder without the help of Brittany Joe Sowards. Now, if you like the podcast, which, okay, I say this every week, just go, please go and, and subscribe and please give me five stars, begging, pleading, begging. Really, it helps other people find the podcast. It helps my ego, which is very important, as you know. Also, you can get my incredible book anywhere books are sold. It's called Yes, I Can Say That When They Come for the Comedians, We're All in Trouble. It's not like I don't mention it every single podcast. And if you don't have it, there's something really wrong with you. Okay? Go to my website, judygold.com. There you will find actually links to um, multiple places where you can purchase my book or my CDs or albums or whatever you want to call them or uh, cassette takes, tapes or eight tracks, wherever, whatever, wherever you listen to your music. And also, you can find out where I'm working and what I'm doing and just read all about me and follow me on social media at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, because I'm a Jew. (laughs) I share my intimate thoughts and you really need to be aware of those to make your life better. So anyway, thank you again all so much for listening. Please wear a mask. Please be safe. Please get vaccinated. Please, 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 please. And as we always say, so long. And uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long.